Due to COVID-19, this podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Hello and welcome to TV DNA. I am your host, Damien, and with me I have the ever-capable Neil. Say hello. Hello. And I will not be throwing to Adam just yet because he is busy doing other stuff but we will hear from him later, so don't worry, all you Adam fans. Adam from the future will be paying a visit. Hello, this is introductory Adam from the future, just saying hello. Hello! What we're going to be talking about this episode is the fantastic new drama, which has started. We've had two episodes so far on the BBC and is available on iPlayer. Sorry for those outside of the United Kingdom. I'm not sure where you can find it just yet. It is... Vigil. First, we're going to give an overview of the first two episodes, so it will be spoiler-free. Then we're going to discuss it in more detail, and then after that, we'll be talking about everything else we've been watching. So, what are your thoughts on Vigil, Neil? I really liked it. It's got an amazing cast, a lot of actors that I really enjoy. And I think it's heading in a really, really interesting direction. I would say a lot of the questions thrown up in episode one are almost answered in episode two but those answers are then throwing up even bigger more epic questions so now i'm really excited about it yeah absolutely at the end of episode two we still we have a whole load of new questions asked of us so i think you're right i'm, I'm not 100 certain of a lot of the narrative choices with the show but i think the greater picture and its comment on what's happening in events right now in our lives is an interesting one and I can't wait to see what happens as the series progresses. Vigil is about a submarine in the British waters up in Scotland in a place called Dunloch and it is for all intents and purposes the Trident submarine that we have in our country so it's a nuclear submarine and something happens on that submarine and the police are forced to go and investigate. So, Neil, could you just give us the first episode synopsis, please? A mysterious disappearance of a Scottish fishing trawler and a death on board a Trident nuclear submarine bring the police into conflict with the Navy and British security services. The first episode starts off with this trawler being dragged underwater. It's really well shot. There's obviously a really good budget and certainly loads of really good CGI. Brilliant submarine shots throughout, certainly the first two episodes. And so this trawler is out at sea. It gets caught on something, which isn't a big fish. And it gets pulled down into the water. And then we get the submarine vigil and they get the distress call. And Martin Compton's character, who we all love from Line of Duty. Pedantic Adam from the future here. Whilst we all love Martin Compton, his character Craig Burke in Vigil is different to Steve Arnott, who he plays in the Line of Duty. Continue. He goes, this isn't a good thing to do. And the ship's captain, Patterson Joseph, plays him, who's also an amazing actor, says, no, it's more important that we keep quiet rather than save it and that's the initial drama to the whole thing as if it's not a distress call martin comston picks up on the sonar a sound that he, they in the guardian like... review it says distress call in the episode we don't say that they doesn't okay. they don't say there's a distress call they say that he hears a sound so he doesn't know what the sound is but he can hear it 
refereeing Adam from the future here. Damien is correct. They don't get an actual distress call from the trawler, but they have been tracking it and know it's about a mile away. They suspect it is being pulled underwater and that lives are at risk. Shortly afterwards, a dead body is found on the submarine. And we then cut to Saran Jones, an amazing actress who's playing Amy Silver, and she gets asked to investigate, which involves her being helicoptered to the submarine, being dropped down as the submarine surfaces briefly. Again, another really tense, fantastically shot part of the episode. And then she goes down on board. Childish Adam from the future here. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And the conflict really, from that moment on, is for the submarine, the captain and its crew, them keeping their location secret is more important than Amy Silver's murder investigation. You're absolutely right, Neil. And that is kind of the through line throughout, for want of a better turn of phrase, that that is it. It's the military, the secret services versus the Scottish police. And it's national security versus murder investigation. And we find Siran Jones, as you said, quite literally out of her depth. Appreciative Adam from the future here, just doffing his cap to Damien's pun. Very good, sir. Very good. <laughs> and having next to no power uh, whilst trying to diligently do her job. And then also her colleagues on land trying to, to get some more information and help us solve this murder. And indeed, what I think is one of the nice touches is this pistolry form of communication from the land to her with this semi-coded with her having no ability to write back because that would give away the submarine's position. What I really liked about it as well is it really got that claustrophobic feel of being on a submarine. All the locations are really cramped, as they would be on a submarine anyway. There's also some really good shots of blurred vision and when the submarine gets hit or has to move really quickly, people falling about. I mean, it really did capture that. And as well as that, within that claustrophobia, it also captured how huge it was. I mean, not only see from outside, from under the water with the CGI of the submarine, but when you see how many stairs they're climbing and how many areas they're going, but it's also tight. It's really, really well done. I'm normally of the mind that I see something wherever that location might be. And go, oh, I'd love to give that a try. Or, oh, really, I'd love to go and see what that place is like. Within five minutes of watching, I thought, I never want to go on a submarine. That is, <laughs> even just those beds, that nine-berth bunk room that they've got. Jeez, Louise, that's so tight. No space at all, bar that. It's like the worst youth hostel you've ever stayed <laughs> The worst ever dorm you've stayed in a youth hostel. Like, no space. And all you have is this tiny little curtain that you can pull across. And you've got months of that when you're out there. If not you. Well, absolutely. Maybe for a day. I'd like to be dropped by the helicopter. That looks exciting. It does, doesn't it? Also absolutely terrifying. All <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, though, those stairs are quite slippery, aren't they? Oh, aren't they, Jeff? We almost lost Silver down the stairs before she'd even got into the sub. She was almost a goner. And then our second episode, without giving too many spoilers, we spend more time, obviously, on the sub with Amy Silver investigating further what's going on and managing those relationships. And you start to realise, as you would expect, that the initial murder has a lot more behind it 
than just a simple murder. And meanwhile, on land, they're making inroads into maybe uncovering a further larger conspiracy. I don't so, think that's too much of a spoiler, given that it's a TV series about a murder on a submarine, that surprise, surprise, there might be a bigger conspiracy. And also the fact that it's from the makers of Line of Duty, the fact that there might be a bigger conspiracy behind the initial investigation. Spoiler warning, Adam, from the future. Damo is about to drop an almighty Line of Duty spoiler, so if you have not yet watched that show, you may want to skip forward about 20 seconds. Wait, are you trying to tell me that all along H was just the sign for a helicopter landing pad? Of course! <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> it wasn't buckles. It was just somewhere to park a helicopter. Although a helicopter pad has probably got more capabilities than buckles. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right there. So are we moving into spoiler territory now? Yes, we are. So people, if you want to avoid any spoilers, I suggest you stop listening, go and watch Vigil, and then come back. Don't even skip forward to hear about what we've been watching. Just sit down and watch Vigil because it is a must watch. Don't go near water cooler until you've watched it. So, Neil, you already touched on the fact that we see in the open this trawler get dragged down. We don't know what by. And Martin Comston's character kicks off. He doesn't want to follow the chain of command. He wants to surface to help save these fishermen who are quite clearly in mortal danger. He is shouted down and the coxswain is called and he is sent to his bunk to cool off. Meanwhile, he has a replacement brought in and things are all very tense in a very tense place already. As an audience, we're kind of led to believe that the trawler has got caught onto Vigil, onto our submarine. And we find out quite quickly that they've realised that it hasn't been. And therefore, they realise that it must have caught onto something else. And it could only be something like a submarine for the trawler to be dragged down in the way that it has. So... What scares them, or at least certainly worries them, is that there's a submarine trailing them, but they can't find it. It doesn't come up on the radars. And that is an absolutely huge thing for kind of nuclear defence because that completely compromises them. So that ups the stakes. It's not just, well, we, we can't surface above the water in case the satellite sees it. No, this is even worse. We have to stay hidden and they move course for a bit as well. So that's why they start to get burked out of the way although there are other reasons. But that's also a large reason as to why they don't give Silver the support that she needs for the murder investigation. Burke has been sent to his barracks to cool off. Things go on and suddenly we jump forward in time and someone calls for a medic because someone has collapsed in their bunk and we find out that it's Burke. No amount of CPR by one of his fellow submariners will save him and Burke has died. Within 10 minutes of the first episode opening, Martin Compton's character <laughs> is no longer with us. He is the subject of Amy Silver's murder investigation. We find that there's something around his nose, some white powder, and we cut to Glasgow, this beautiful establishing wide shot of Glasgow, the centre of Glasgow. We see the River Clyde, and there is Amy Silver for a late night run. And she gets a call. She gets called in by her boss and... There is a murder investigation that she has to go and solve on a submarine. Well, it's worth saying at this point, 
that it doesn't start off as a murder investigation. It starts off as a dead body because the powder is heroin. Therefore, it's initially being treated as a suicide. Absolutely right. You're right to make that clarification because I've jumped ahead again. I just enjoy it so much, I'm jumping all over the main narrative. <laughs> and then Silver realises, or at least comes to the conclusion, that it isn't. There's lots of things that suggest, well, he wasn't a taker. The heroin's just on the outside of his nose. She swabs the inside, it's not there. So she then goes looking around the submarine. She finds traces of blood. She looks at the body, there's damage. And bit by bit, she starts to think, no. This isn't a suicide or an overdose. This is absolutely a murder. And I think now's a good time. We've been introduced to all of the main players by now, and I think yeah. now's a good time to mention how fantastic this cast is. Yeah. For fans of Game of Thrones, there are a lot of actors you might recognise. In our WhatsApp, I called it Game of Subs. There are so many people you'd recognise. Obviously, there's Igrit, there's Podrick, there's Stannis Baratheon, all appearing in this show there's just a great cast isn't it it is it's absolutely brilliant and then on top of that obviously you've got saran jones who is brilliant in everything she does but particularly in this and then another favorite of our sex education you've got connor swindells who's also really good in it fanboy shout out adam from the future connor swindells has such a brilliant ability to play repressed and very much looking forward to seeing him when sex education returns on the 17th of september and like I said earlier, Patterson Joseph, who plays the captain, he's the brilliant actor. I guess the other one, and I couldn't place where I've seen him before, but it's Adam James, who plays the executive Apprentice. Uh, Apprentice. You will have seen him in loads of stuff. That's yeah. probably why you can't place him. He is a great actor. He's been jobbing for a while in lots of good TV and I believe films as well. I also want to give a shout out to Sean Ev Evans, who plays the Coxswain, or Coxswain, sorry. The first thing I saw him in was the first thing I saw Tom Hardy in, which was a TV version of Martina Cole's The Take. And they're both brilliant in that. But Sean Evans has been in loads of other great stuff as well. No spoilers here, but I do not think that Elliot Glover, the Coxswain, is as friendly as he <laughs> appears to be. I think him and Patterson Joseph's Neil Newsom are way more implicated than you'd think. I, I completely agree. That does mean that Glover is going to be really smart because he's creating this relationship. In the second episode, he starts to get closer to Amy Silver. So I think there's going to be something interesting developing there as well. And I don't think that's part of a plan. Oh, you think it's something that will go against his need to protect himself? You think that he yeah. might fall in love with Amy Silver? Quite possibly. Talking about Amy Silver's love life, we also find out that she was in a terrible car accident and she lost her husband in a loch, but saved her daughter from this car accident. And we also find out that she's also been romantically involved with her counterpart on the land, DS Kirsten Longacre, played by Rose Leslie, a.k.a. Igrit from Game of Thrones. It's quite interesting that they have that dynamic. And then as we were talking, they have this way of communicating through coded messages using their own relationship as yeah. their way of discussing important information. And this is very nicely dropped in in places. The car crash, which ends up 
underwater and has basically left her with trauma, PTSD, and she's taking tablets for anxiety and depression. She keeps getting flashbacks whilst on the submarine to the crash. And as you start to find out more and more about her, more and more makes sense. And the more you care about her and worry about her, which is, of course, the kind of tension that you want with a main character. You want to care for them and you want to hope that they're okay. What is really interesting, I think, so the end of episode one's cliffhanger. So Longacre manages to find this USB drive on site. Burke has hidden it in his onshore apartment. That's right. And it's interesting how much more space they have in their onshore bunks than they do. I mean, he's he's got a whole one bed flat in there, hasn't he? And we see this video, we cut to Martin Compton because obviously we haven't seen much of him so far in this episode, given that he he went out like a red shirt in the opening five, ten minutes, where he says, I've got all this information for you. It was a red waistcoat, Damo. Of course, red waistcoat. (laughs) Totally red waistcoat, 100%. (laughs) We kind of cut back into those direct addresses to camera that he's recorded for his girlfriend, who we find out is part of a protest group who are anti-vigil and trident. And we start to learn that things are definitely not quite what they seem and that this runs far deeper than just some sort of revenge tit for tat on board the submarine. We find out lots of other background stuff, though great stuff from Daniel Portman, who plays Walsh, Podrick in Game of Thrones, who is initially suspected because his brother committed suicide and he blames Burke. We find that it wasn't actually him who who did the deed. What I also excites me is that we've not seen much of Stephen Delane, who plays Stannis Baratheon in Game of Thrones. He's an amazing actor, and he certainly has the necessary dignity to play the... Um, yeah, he's a high level of authority, and he's really underplaying it. He's not being bombastic. He's not being a Carmichael. He's he's just being official, and he's being firm and fair, and saying, we'll, we'll work with you on all this, but this can't happen. I think he's definitely going to be coming into his elements. I think he's got a big part to play when it gets bigger. And also the fact that you've got Putin in the opening titles. I mean, this is obviously going to become a much, you know, going from that tiny little submarine cramp space, this is going to become global, what they're dealing with. As always with Jim Mercurio's stuff, things are based in reality and there are constant incursions into British waters by Russian fighter jets and boats and submarines. So I'm really interested to see where this goes. I think Jed has definitely given a little masterclass to the writers. It's not by Jed Mercutio. Yes. But they've definitely been hugely inspired by him. It definitely has all the various characteristics uh, of Mercutio. Well, that's enough about mine and Neil's thoughts on the opening episodes. We'll now, through the power of technology, find out what Adam thought in isolation of the opening two episodes of Vigil. Adam. Thanks, Demo. Not much to add to your comprehensive review. I enjoyed it very much, particularly the conflict between police and Navy. That idea that those who stand on the wall are above the law brought to mind the film A Few Good Men. It's highly enjoyable, and I'm looking forward, as you are, to seeing where it goes. Down Periscope. Thanks for that, Adam. As insightful and hilarious as you always are. Now, as is customary in these episodes, we're now going to talk about, very briefly, 
what we've been watching. I have been glued to my TV this week. I have absolutely smashed through a lot of TV. So I finished Becoming a God in Central Florida finally. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to Series 2. Some really nice stuff at the end and how they tied out that first series. Didn't see that happening. I absolutely ran riot on the chair. I watched that all the way through. I think it's really good. Sandra O's oh great. The cast is really good. I also watched the whole series this week. It's very funny, from the physical comedy at the start to the dark humour that comes from the troubled adopted toddler. Anything you didn't like about it, Damo? My only criticism is is that I think it kind of gets a bit rom-commy at the end, which for me undermines what the, the show is trying to do. And what would you say it's about? I think it's a good exploration of what life is like in universities in this day and age. I graduated from uni, goodness me, far too long ago, over 15 years ago. So we've moved on as a society considerably from when I was at uni. So I think it's very interesting talking about the American collegiate system, but also where they are in terms of what they think is acceptable with an aging faculty that are mostly out of step with the world around them. So I think it's definitely worth watching. I think I'll be the only one out of the three of us to watch this. I pretty much in one go watched all of the latest series of the Rap Game UK. I'm not the biggest fan of reality TV, but I do love rap and hip-hop and grime and garage and, and all those genres of music. So I'm always interested in finding out new MCs and what their sounds are like and, and what their bars are like. The contestants weren't generally as strong as they have been on pre previous series, but I think there was a worthy winner and there are probably going to be people we might see in the charts soon. And then for shows that I'm not completed but have given a go, so after Adam's suggestion, I gave Nine Perfect Strangers a go. I watched the first couple of episodes. I'm going to pause because I'm not quite sure the cast is very good. I'm not the biggest fan of Nicole Kidman and her choices as an actor, but I think the other actors are brilliant, as Adam has said previously. I've watched all five episodes of Nine Perfect Strangers so far. I think Nicole Kidman is perfectly cast for the role of Masha. The motif of blending fruit, which starts most episodes, fits perfectly with the blend of different personalities at this wellness retreat. There's lots of humour, it's beautifully shot, and the intrigue levels are mounting. This is definitely a show I look forward to every week. I've carried on with Underground Railroad, Neil. Have you gone any further with that? No, I'm around episode three or four. Yeah, so I've just watched episode four, the 40-minute episode where we see the slave catcher's child. We see his backstory, and that was brilliant. So I'm hoping to watch another episode tomorrow. Again, can recommend persevering with this one. Episode six is fantastic, and then you're just a short ride away to the end of the track. Keep on going, and you will be rewarded. And Kevin Can Go F Himself, which has just been released on Amazon Prime. So it stars Annie Murphy, who plays Alexa in Schitt's Creek. She plays Alison, who is the wife to Kevin, an eternal man-child. It's an exploration of what the life would be of a wife in a sitcom who is married to an absolute imbecile. And so it's a really good split between what is taking place in the sitcom, and then what is her life away from that? It's really good, about five or six episodes in, and I'm really excited to see what happens. I would say that it has a lot of the same notes that I really liked about WandaVision with none of the ones that I didn't. So, uh, yeah, I would highly recommend Kevin Can 
F himself. It's on Amazon Prime, so it will be available probably all over the world. And that's pretty much what I've been watching. How about you, Neil? Well, obviously, I've been watching Walking Dead and Vigil, and I'm feeling like a bit of TV is getting back into my DNA because it's been a while since I've been able to watch much. But I have started I May Destroy You, which I know you've seen, Demo. I really like it. I've watched the first episode only so far, but I think I'll get through it quite quickly because they're 30-minute episodes, so I'll probably watch a few more tonight. Basically, a young writer who has got relationship but particularly her relationship with narcotics and alcohol and trying to balance that it doesn't sound very funny but it is there's lots of humor in it it's very watchable you've heard what i've been watching you've heard what neil's been watching adam why don't you tell us what you've been watching this week Thank you, Damien. Most recently, I binged the entirety of Mayor of Easttown. This is the final one of the Emmy-nominated limited series on my list, and it's fair to say it deserves the nomination. Kate Winslet is phenomenal in this. Evan Peters, also in Emmy-nominated WandaVision, shines in another excellent ensemble cast. A close-knit, largely working-class community is still dealing with the disappearance of a young girl when tragedy strikes. Pressure is put on detective Mary Ann Mare Sheehan, and she has her own issues to deal with as well. Throw in romantic interest Guy Pearce, plenty of suspects red herrings, and comedy mum played by Jean Smart, and you've got a gritty, moving, suspenseful, entertaining, and highly satisfying drama. This one has been around a while, but if you haven't seen it, stick it on the watch list. I've also been trying to watch a few more of the Emmy-nominated comedies. My appreciation of the Kominsky method grew after some comedic guest turns by Danny DeVito and Elliot Gould, but I found myself less enthralled than I had been with Pen15. It's still an entertaining watch, maybe just suffering by comparison with the great TV I've been enjoying of late. Speaking of which, I finished The White Lotus. Catherine's also watched and enjoyed it. Quick reminder of the plot, various holidaymakers staying at the White Lotus Resort are struggling with their own personal anxieties. Some of these anxieties are worn on the sleeve and others not acknowledged at all until interaction with other guests or hotel staff at this idyllic location bring them bursting forth. The setup at the beginning of the first episode keeps us all guessing and ensures that our anxiety levels matches those of the characters whom we grow to love. One of the many things I loved about this show were the opening credits, a series of wallpapers, presumably from the different rooms of the hotel, with initially calming and tranquil, then increasingly disturbing and unsettling images. The cast again are flawless. I particularly enjoyed Steve Zahn and Alexandra Daddario, but they all deserve huge credit. A quick piece of news for one of the shows coming soon that I know we're all excited about. Adrian Brody will be one of eight new faces joining the cast of Succession when season three begins sometime in October. Marvel fans will be looking forward to the Hawkeye series, which is due for release on the 24th of November. I'm going to save my thoughts on the latest episodes of What If for next time around. Herein ends the Adam TV Watch update. Brilliant. Thanks, Adam. Now... And thanks for mentioning White Lotus, Adam, because I forgot that I watched that whole series as well this week. It's absolutely brilliant. Definitely a must watch. So you can contact us on the socials at TVDNA on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook if you put TV space DNA in the search bar or you can email us on TVDNAPod at gmail.com. Now talking as Adam was, 
about the White Lotus. I put something out on the Twitter. We had some great reactions from our listeners. So I was talking about the fantastic Connie Britton, who also is in a TV show called Friday Night Lights, which I haven't watched. Did you have you watched Friday Night Lights, Neil? No, I haven't. No, we had some fantastic responses from some of us listeners, including Robbie Martin. So thank you very much for getting involved. I think I'm definitely going to give Friday Night Lights a try because I'm a big fan of Connie's. Thank you for all the messages and likes on the socials it means a great deal to us and what also would mean a great deal to us is if you subscribe to the podcast whether that be on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods all that's left now is to say goodbye so that's goodbye from me cheerio keep watching this is leave taking adam from the future saying goodbye goodbye no, Thanks so it's for the recommendation, Connie. Yeah, well, she 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 didn't recommend it. She was in it. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. She's a famous actress, but I mean, obviously, if she wants to 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 hit us up on the social, she's more than welcome.